0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wiseau. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by... DSC, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Taurus, maker of the Raging Hunter and other fine handguns.
2: Now here's your host, Larry Weissoon. Welcome to another ap- episode, segment, whatever you want to call it, of DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. And In this instance, I'm welcoming you to a campfire that's very, really, truly special to me. I'm sitting here with a very dear old friend. We're on a deer hunt in uh, the Lower Texas Panhandle. Hunting's been tough, but when hunting gets tough you get an opportunity to visit a little bit more and so for those of you who don't know jim Bequet, you must have been living in a gopher hole for the last many years jim goes back to the early days of of shooting times magazine and and uh my gosh jim's been around for a few years and he's been involved in outdoor television program for many years with guns and ammo and and a whole lot more and he's one of these very special Truly good guys in the industry, as far as I'm concerned. Nobody probably knows more about the outdoor industry when it comes to guns, hunting, and shooting, and some of the personnel. And we're not going to get into some of the stories, Jim, that you and I have told <laughs> off camera in the past. But, uh, <laughs> but more importantly, as far as I'm concerned, I consider him a very, very dear friend. So, Mr. Paquette, welcome to DSC's Campfires. Well,
3: thank you, Larry, I, and I thank you for your kind words. That uh, that means a lot. Our friendship. this is true. <laughs>
2: Gosh! Let, let's start at the beginning because you know there. I know there's some readers, or some listeners rather, out there that remember guys like uh, Skeeter Skelton and uh, some of the go- those guys, Mister Bill Jordan. You, you had an opportunity to work with them in a lot of different respects. When did you actually come on board with with uh, Shooting Times? Well,
3: it's it's hard to believe when I think back, but I started with Shooting Times in December 1977. And uh, I was working for a local newspaper. I had my journalism degree from uh, SIU, and uh, I had a friend call me late one night and said, Hey, I know you're interested in the outdoors and hunting and shooting and stuff. And he said, I just heard there's an opening on Shooting Times Magazine for an editorial assistant. And so I was like, Really? So, anyhow, long story short, got an interview, got the job, and to give you a, a sense of how bad I wanted to be uh, part of shooting times, uh, I had just recently been married, uh, we had just bought a house, my wife and I, she was pregnant with our first child, and so when I got home from the job interview, she goes, well, what happened? I said, I got offered the job and I took it. She goes, great. So what's your starting pay? And I was like, well, (laughs) it was less, substantially less than what I was making at the newspaper. And she said, what? (laughs) I said, don't worry. I said, things will work out, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, God, am I crazy? You know, baby on the way, new house. Just, just. You know, and, and I... But I I just... You know, it was one of those opportunities. I thought, right before I did the interview, I went to um, a newsstand mm-hmm. and picked up a copy of Shooting Times. And I thought, you can imagine. I Here I was, maybe 24 years old. And I'm thinking, man, I have the opportunity to work for a national outdoor publication. And I was just head over heels. And I, I just... I thought this is like a dream come true. And then, when I was doing the interview with the publisher at the time, I said, "So, like, do would I actually get a chance to talk to the people at Ruger and Marlin and Smith and Wesson?" He goes, "Oh yeah, you know that's just part of doing business." And I'm thinking, now here's a kid. When I was growing up, you know, I of course I read every outdoor magazine I could get my hands on, but. I literally had still kept and had kept copies of catalogs that I had requested like when I was like oh, yes, sir. a freshman in high school. Really? <laughs> or actually, it goes back before that. Right. But I had the, I still had the envelope like from Marlin. Yes, sir. And I, and I had, you know, I'd written a, a handwritten letter about, dear sir, could you please send me your most recent catalog? I'm interested in buying a Marlin-Farlene type thing. And I still had those in in my pile of stuff, and then for me to go from that to actually working and talking to the people at Marlin, and and then ultimately going out and visiting Marlin and seeing how the guns are manufactured, I mean it was a dream come true. And and fortunately, what saved my marriage was <laughs> I, I I ended up I was very. I was just, it, it's the classic being in the right place at the right time, where I got elevated to assistant editor, because editorial assistant was the very bottom yeah, line, sir. you know, and, and so I got, I got promoted to assistant editor in a very short period of time, and then managing editor, ultimately I became editor of shooting times. Uh, which is one of my proudest moments in my career. As it well should uh, be, my gracious. And gosh, and then from there, as you know, well know, uh, our company ended up acquiring other outdoor titles, and we ultimately, fast forward 40 years, and we ultimately became the largest outdoor media group in the country. And I was, when I retired, uh, I was a group, Uh, editorial director for over 30 plus magazines oh my uh, gracious responsible for a number of television shows uh, on the outdoor channel and sportsman's channel and ended up my last title so I went from editorial assistant over the course of 40 plus years to vice president group editorial director of the largest outdoor media group in the country so I told my wife I told you so. Told you so. <laughs> but it—I'll tell you, Larry. It's—it's it's been a great ride, and in one of the, one of the highlights, and I—and I genuinely mean this. You—you you referenced me being able to meet, uh, you know, and work with some of the writers. Oh my in the gosh, years. Yes. And you know, it's—it's it's hard to put into words, but uh, you know, I idolize these guys. So I had to. I understand. All of a sudden. Issue. I had to separate that, and like I was calling Bill Jordan and Skeeter Skelton, saying, "Where's your damn article?"
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, beating them up about deadlines, and, and but I'll tell you that to be able to work with those guys, Bill and Skeeter, and uh, you included Look, uh, certainly, and... you know, John Wooters. Uh, I mean, gosh, I I mean all the. I, are the majority of what I'll call uh, the best of the best gun writers over the last? I mean, literally over almost a half a century. A half a century, I yeah, sure. <laughs> Had the opportunity, and I'll never forget. I I was at a Remington seminar towards the end of my career, and I went to God knows you know how many dozens of Remington, yes sir, which is when. Every, all the gun writers and editors in the industry gathered once a year. Oh, that used to be such a
2: fabulous event. Yes, for, sir. for
3: Remington and Winchester and stuff. And I'll never forget the first Remington seminar I went to. I was the youngest kid. And here's all these legendary Gritz Gresham, you know, and all these, you know, Jim Carmichael. Yes, sir. And I'm thinking, this is unreal. And here I am, the youngest kid, and, and I'm just like, <laughs> well... I, literally, Larry, you know how time flies I, when I went to this Remington seminar and it, now it's probably been about ten years ago, eight, ten years ago. it's like I you know I put my head down and i and I put my head back up, and I'm all of a sudden I'm the oldest guy in the room,
2: you know, so it I have the youngest kid
3: in the room it, to the oldest, and I'm looking around. And all these young kids, and I thought that was me, you know, 40, 40 years ago. And but anyhow, they're t- talking about great old gun writers, and I was with a group of, of guys at the sem- at the seminar, right? Yes, sir. And these ki- these guys were all in their twenties and, and early thirties, and they're talking about you know some of the the great old writers and the business and stuff. And somebody mentioned P. O. Ackley, yes, you sir. know who yes, who sir. wrote a gunsmithing column for shooting time when I started. So I dealt with PO, you know, and, and, and so they were talking about, and they said, man, he must've been a great guy. And I said, well, he was. (laughs) And they go, really? So how do you know? And I said, well, I knew PO Ackley. I worked with him. And they kind of looked at me like, How old are you? <laughs> you know, like, are you a hundred ten or what? And I was like, no. I like said, just the first two or three years of my career, he was still writing a column for for Shooting Times, and so I got to, uh, and they just couldn't believe it. Like, there's still a guy alive. Words still alive with today.
2: <laughs> exactly. That is funny. But
3: anyhow, it, funny. Uh, and I'm yakking here, but I, no, no, please, please continue. I, I'm loving it. And I know everybody
2: else that's listening
3: that loves uh, it as well too. I mean. The guys I've been blessed to work with, it, it just, uh, uh, it, it's hard to describe because I told my boss when I retired, I said, I'm only telling you this now because I'm retiring, but I said, I literally would have worked for nothing. I mean, that's how. Yes, sir. And you know, you know the deal. I mean, you get to, I mean, here I was. Aside from working with all these gun writers who I idolized, I, I got to sit down and, and visit with Bill Ruger. You know, I mean it's just I, I think back on those times and wonderful people I got to meet over the years, and it's just I'm very fortunate. I I I, I always say when i worked for the newspaper and i thought i may have been trapped there for you know that was my <laughs> career and yes, and i thought you know i could have ended up covering city council meetings and oh, you gracious. know yes, sir. Uh, buildings burning in town <laughs> or something you know and instead i got this late night phone call from a friend of mine and it changed the course of my career and look what i got to do so well, anyway you I know very timing
2: loud. timing is everything but you can be there at the right place at the right time. And if you don't take advantage of that That's situation, it. you know, that that opportunity knocked and it can pass just as quickly. So, yeah. And then people, don't, you know, I get tickled every once in a while because I've, I've been involved in writing and TV and all those other things. And they don't realize the number of hours, how many oh. how many days out of the year. I know you in particular were gone, you know. From not only from, and the office work continued during that time when you were making the, because I remember years yeah. ago, you'd make a tour through the, you know, visit every gun dealer, not dealer, but every manufacturer, you know, every manufacturer, anything had to do with guns, from optics, ammo, all that, and you'd be gone for weeks at a time making a tour yeah. of vision with everybody.
3: Yeah, there were, and that's the, the one downside. I mean, we all, you know, treasure our, our time with family and, Gosh, you know, it, it, you know, you get caught up in, in a career like that, and, and you know, with writers, it's the same way. Yes, and it's, I mean, there were there was a string of years there where I literally was gone over 200 days a year. Right. Yes, and sir. and when you figure out what what you're making. And the time
2: you spent—I <laughs> mean, it—it it, it doesn't average out there. No, bad. you don't want to look at it but hourly. <laughs> what the hourly wages but. would be in those situations, but in the process of it, you mentioned—you know—meeting Mister Bill Ruger, yeah. you know, and you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, these days only may have heard about Skeeter and about Bill Jerk yeah. and and it, and all those guys, but those were truly the, the stalwarts. Yeah. In this industry they, and still should have the respect that they did years ago. Yeah. I I uh it's hard to describe but Skeeter for
3: anybody that's listening Skeeter I still believe was one of the greatest gun writers of all oh, time. Oh, to me there's no doubt. Because he had of course he had his Texas background. He was he was uh, uh, in law enforcement in the state of Texas. He worked for the Border Patrol and Customs, and um, I'll tell you, he and what people don't know is he had an English degree. He was really an excellent writer. Oh, he was a I mean, his writer, his copy. I had to barely touch you know in terms of editing. He he was that good of a writer, and long story short. He would he he wouldn't use a typewriter. He wrote all of his articles out in longhand, longhand in a yellow yes, legal, legal notepad. Yes, sir. And then Sally, his wife, would type yes, it out sir. <laughs> and send it. But I'll tell you what. Again, for anybody listening, you should you know Google it or whatever. But to, to, to read some of his fiction.
2: I mean, he, well, he it was fiction, he, but it was also based upon. Oh yeah. People he knew, oh yeah. Their experience. Yeah,
3: you know, he, yeah, yeah, you you know, you're absolutely right. And there's, I mean, I could talk for hours. But it is great fiction, too. It is, but it was based on people he knew. Yes. And, and, you know, he always used to, uh, he always used to uh, jerk on my chain because he, uh, one of his fictional characters was Jug Johnson. Jug Johnson, yes. And Jug Johnson was a, you know, he had problems, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, as they, as they like to say, you know, the elevator didn't go to the top floor <laughs> with Jug and, and Skeeter used to say, yeah, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like, oh, thanks. You know, thanks Skeeter. Yeah. They, 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 but you know, his, uh, of all the fiction he wrote, and he wrote a, a, a lot based on trips. Down to Evan Kiros's place. I was, I was um, hoping you were going to bring up on the Ship Kier- Ranch, Kieros, and, yes, uh, Laredo, yeah. Texas, and uh, I remember he wrote an article about the ghost hogs on the Ship Ranch, and but a good a, a childhood friend of his. Uh, that's what he based his "Me and Joe." Yes, yes. Fiction. I, you know, I call it fiction, but really, it was a blend of. Some fiction, but real life adventures when they were growing up, yeah. you know. And, and so, again, and we ended up publishing uh, two different books uh, of, of the best of the best Skeeter. Right. And I'll tell you what, and I, I had somebody tell me recently... Like on eBay, those books are, are, are bringing like $250. Really? Yeah. I'm sure. We, I, I, think, I think we did... A, when we published, I think we did like 5,000 copies. Yes, sir. And that was, good gosh, back around 19... In the in the 1980s. And yeah, now you, you just can't find it. Yes, sir. And, um, but uh, uh, I'll tell you, again, he, he was one of the best. And every writer you know, again, Larry, yourself included, everybody had their strengths. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, yours was in the hunting, and particularly the whitetail hunting area, and, you know, Skeeter did the fiction, and Bill Jordan wrote a lot about his time in uh, uh, the U.S. Border Patrol, and, and, um, but every, every, you know, some writers were in the reloading, some, you know, some guys were handgun people, you know, writing about, uh, the latest, greatest handgun, but, uh, my job as editor was always to create a balance, you know, and uh, if that meant Skeeter on handguns and Bill Jordan oh, yes. just reminiscing about the good old days and and then we had Rick Jamison doing reloading articles. Oh yeah, yeah. Doing Dick Metcalf doing handgun articles and you doing hunting articles and it just uh, it's uh, it's it, It was a grind at the time, but... Gosh, looking back, those are those were great. Oh, absolutely! Great days. I, I, the
2: time that I got spent on shooting with the shooting times, and <laughs> I, I value above any of the other writing that I ever had the chance to do. And it, it, it yeah. much of it revolved around you, and then later with with Joel So when when they got you doing too many things, and Joel kind of came in and he was what our managing editor for a while. Yeah,
3: I hired Joel, and he's been there twenty plus years now, and he. You know, Shooting Times was started in ni- in uh, uh,
2: 1960.
3: Yes, sir. So the publication is 60 years old, over 60 years old, and and uh, that means a lot to me, too, you know, because you see magazines go by the wayside, well, there's, you know. Y-
2: y- Even the big three these yeah. days or what we used to consider the big three. Yeah. Don't and, hardly exist anymore.
3: And Shooting Times is, is as strong as it was back yes, sir. in the early days. and and the circulation is basically the same. So that it shows so cool. that you have a really good core audience yes, of readers and these are guys that are into the shooting, hunting, hand-looting. You know, they can't get enough of it. And, well,
2: uh, you've had a way of... Garnering, <laughs> gathering information about new guns, new ammo, new scope. Oh, yeah. That far surpassed anybody else. I mean, well, it, it, all I can't think of any worthwhile product that had to do with shooting, hunting on the gun side yeah. that shooting times during your tenure did not break the story on. Yeah. It'll see you, that? you were unbelievable in digging those yeah. out. Yeah.
3: And that just kind of came, I I don't know, it just kind of evolved where, I I mean, I was on a mission, I I was hell-bent about getting exclusives. And And what was was most rewarding about that was, at the time, shooting times was a little over 200,000 cirque and... Of course, our main competitor, and I'm I'm taking the NRA publication, right? Kind of yes, sir. Right. because they're a membership deal. But Guns and Ammo, yes sir. right, was of course our main competition, and Guns and Ammo was like six hundred thousand circ. So here we were always, the you know, it was David and
2: Goliath. You yes, know? we were the little guy. <laughs> and but we, the results we, were the same with David and Goliath when you got right down to it, which was fantastic. <laughs> we got.
3: More than our fair share of exclusives, and I'm talking about Ruger, Smith and Wesson, oh, Beretta, yes. Winchester, Remington. You know, and it was just a matter of we just collectively as a group worked really hard behind the scenes to get new products, and we'd find out about new products, you know, a year before they were launched. Yes, sir. and to get that was again one of the one of the things I really enjoyed about it was we would get a gun. Uh, something totally new and different shipped into the offices. You know, a, a year before anybody else yes, knew sir. about it, and and uh, uh, I'll give you it, it's a classic example of. And we broke a lot of major stories, but at the very first shot show, and I want to say it was in nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty nineteen eighty one, Smith and Wesson. Of course, you remember the craze about the Model Twenty Nine. Oh yes, and Clint Eastwood, Billy oh, yes, Harry, and all that stuff, and everybody wanted a Twenty Nine, and on and on and on. Well, again, long story short, um, we got in on the exclusive when Smith and Lesson decided to do a stainless Model Twenty Nine, called the Six Twenty Nine. The
2: Six Twenty Nine, yes. Sir.
3: I mean, now that may not seem like really significant news. Okay, you know they're doing a stainless steel version. But it was it. at the time. Oh, oh my gosh! It 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 was shocking news <laughs> to the industry, and we had literally unbound copies of Shooting Times with that gun on the cover, and we took it around at the very first shot show in St. Louis, and showed it
2: the people. Yes, sir.
3: And they were just like flabbergasted, stunned, you know, like what is that a one of, one of you yeah, know, yeah, some yeah, custom yeah, gunsmith, yeah, right, you know. Right. No. no. Smith and Wesson's <laughs> coming out with a stainless steel model six twenty-nine. And to see the look on people's faces, it was so funny. And 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 for literally I wanna say fifteen years that magazine was our best-selling yes, newsstand publication over, like, a 15-year period. I mean, we whereas we would sell back in the day, you know, I mean, a, a sell-through of about 50% was considered... Really Absolutely, good. yes, sir. If I remember right, that magazine sold, like, close to 80%. Oh, my gracious. And to this day, I mean, I remember that. And then, of course, again, in the... Put to put it in context, no one else obviously had a 44 Magnum revolver in stainless steel, so Mr. Ruger and the Ruger folks obviously came out with the stainless steel Redhawk. Right, and uh, uh, you know, of course, and but even hustling on it, I think it was like I want to say maybe a year later that yes, They right. came out with their stainless steel version of a 44 Magnum double action revolver. Right, and uh, but your point about getting new guns and and seeing them before anybody else that was that was just it was like a bonus you know a year in
2: bonus well, you know to, there was nobody like this, I, I used to it just used to amaze me because I, I knew some of the other writers of course it worked for the other oh guns, yeah including Guns and yeah. Ammo and a couple of other you know at the time and they go what in the hell yeah. does Buquet do to get these <laughs> these exclusives and I go hey <laughs> he just knows what he's doing.
3: <laughs> well, the, I won't name names, but at the time, and I knew, you know, the Peterson guys, when Bob Peterson... Oh, yes, sir, right. When Mr. Peterson owned, uh, of course, the Peterson group and guns and ammo and Peterson's hunting and whatnot. And I used to hear stories, you know, through back channels about <laughs> when shooting times would show up in, in the Peterson offices and we had an exclusive that they didn't get because they thought oh, and rightfully yeah. so you know right. hey we're the big dog right. we should be getting these 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 uh, uh, exclusives and how in the hell is bequest and <laughs> Shooting Times they're half they're less than half the size of us how are they doing that and I, I heard one story of a high level manager who got I forget what what the gun was on the cover right. but it was an exclusive they didn't know anything about it and this manager literally took a paperweight off his desk and threw it through, and put a hole in the wall in his office <laughs> when he, That's right. what oh he found when he found out what we had done. But, you know, and and then the the really odd thing about it, Larry, is um, again fast forward to when we acquired our yes. group acquired the yes. yes. Peterson Group, yeah. so. All those years, I was fighting guns and ammo for (laughs) editorial, you know, uh, exclusive. and all of a sudden, I was responsible for shooting Times and Guns and Ammo, and for a very short period, I I was actually the editor of of Guns and Ammo, and, and, uh, you know, Guns and Ammo, uh, you know, great publication, great history, you know. Elmer Keith, you know, you start there and all the great gun writers they had with their publication. And uh, to this day, again, I'll set aside the American Rifleman, but uh, uh, I still look at Shooting Times and and Guns and Ammo as the premier gun publication to this day. And there'd just be... a play a little role in those publications. Yeah. That
2: that's just so neat. One of the things too that always amazed me was the the loyal following yeah. that Shooting Times had. Yeah. Not only would you break the story, yeah. those folks bought product. Yeah. And and oh, yeah. And, and I can attest yeah. to that particularly when we broke the story <laughs> on the on the T C Encore. Yeah. You know, we broke the story yeah. on it and yeah. and uh, had it on the cover and yeah. T C was not anywhere near prepared for the the orders yeah. that they started getting yeah. immediately, and but
3: like they say, and 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 again that that really meant a lot to me personally and obviously professionally. But when we we got an exclusive and whatever the gun was, and we'd get a call from the manufacturer and say, "Your magazine must have hit." hit the news they two subscribers <laughs> it was like well yeah it came you know came out you know a week ago or whatever right and they said we're being inundated yes. with orders and phone calls and and it's the old it moved the needle you it know? moved the and needle and so that again that helped us uh set the stage for future exclusives because these manufacturers like hey man shooting time, they're got, they're their readers Buy product. They, buy they read about it and they buy it. They buy. It. So that that was a, a, you know an incentive for the manufacturer to get us their their new products, and so it it just it was something that you know I'm very proud of, and uh, things I'll I'll never forget that. Uh, and the fun of the chase, you know, the, the, yes. the you, know, you know, you hear, oh, guns and ammo may get the exclusive and you're, you know, you're, I mean, and they shooting
2: times are already breaking the story
3: by then. So <laughs> that was, I, I could, I could talk all day long about some of the stories behind, you know, getting, getting exclusives like that, but it's, it, it, was, it, like I said, it was a great ride. And, and I, you know, obviously I couldn't have done it without the great writers we had, uh, and again, you included. too. are very two, kind. Uh, but
2: you, there were, to me, so many of those guys were and still are. In the, they may not even be with us anymore. Yeah. You know, they're still my heroes. Oh, uh, yeah. I go oh, back man. and refer to old issues of sh- uh, shooting times from, when, yeah. you know, the early days. And I, yeah. I, the first few copies I saw, I had an uncle who subscribed to it. And thank God he would save the copies and they yeah. kind of shove them my way and so I got to read a lot of the early uh, as we we're just talking about about mr. Bill's writing and particularly with with Skeeter and, and the, yeah. the quasi fiction that he wrote I mean it was fiction in a way but again it was based upon characters and experiences that he had and that that still it was always one of the more popular, things ever I guess in shooting yeah. times and shooting times started
3: out as not very many people realize it but the first couple of years it was a tabloid size newspaper yes.
2: that's the first one um, I remember seeing was that way it was on it was on like newsprint yes you know,
3: and and uh, a lot of adver- classified advertising and yes, stuff sir. and then it evolved um, uh, into a, a slick you know monthly publication and uh, like they say the rest is history it uh But it it was a great ride. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
2: Oh, my gracious. So tell me about retirement. (laughs) You and I are in camp for another day or two. This is not the only one of these we're going to do. Because all of a sudden I'm going, oh, my God, there's so many things I want to cover between you and me. uh, So are you officially retired now? Yeah, I mean, I've,
3: I've done, since I retired, as you as you well know, Larry, the business has changed, and uh, I mean, keep in mind when I started. And again, same. I think the same holds true for you. When I started, uh, actually at the newspaper, when I graduated from college, I was still using a manual typewriter. Now, think think about that for a second. I was I was using a manu- a royal manual typewriter. So not and, even electric <laughs> yeah and and you know it had the ribbon yes the yellow, oh, yeah. The, the yeah. Yeah. yellow copy paper you know I mean? yeah sure so I went from that to and I remember when the first computer came out and the little you know the little screen yes yes and, yes. and you know, again, fast forward to where we are today in the technology, you know, when I started, you know, obviously, no, no cell phones, no, uh, no fax machines, no, no computers, uh, uh, and look how the world has changed, and, and media in general, and so, I'm an old dog, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm very much a traditionalist, and so, over the course of those four decades, you know, I saw how the business changed, you know just how the industry changed and and I thought you know it's time you know I've I've pretty much done everything I want to do and it's time to move on and so I I announced my retirement from the group and um I've done everything from I you know I I still do a little bit of writing I've got yes, podcasts podcast like you're doing right um uh, I'm doing some consulting work, uh, which I'm very proud of, introducing some, what I'll call, ma- uh, manufacturers who are outside the outdoor arena and bringing them into and meeting some of the key players Fantastic. in the industry. Yes, sir. And, and as you know, I've always enjoyed that part of the business, right. building relationships and networking. Yes, sir. Yes. So being able to do that, uh, with with uh, for example a company called PolyOne and 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 now Avient, uh, I've introduced them. They do all kinds of. They're, they're one of the world world's leaders in developing polymer materials. So when you think about everything from limbs on a bow, which they own that category, right? You know, the supplying uh, that's why, for yeah, that. okay and then and then you think about polymer frame pistols, yes sir, right, and synthetic stocked rifles, and yes just, sir i mean they're they're making their mark in the business and and that I just love it, you know that that it's <laughs> like from really starting at ground zero, where the the president and c e o Bob Patterson uh said, you know, we want to get into the outdoor market we They've been in the automotive medical fields again. International company, publicly held, and Bob is an outdoor enthusiast, hunter, and uh, he said, "I want to start an outdoor division." And oh, cool. long story short, they, they yes sir, they contacted me and said, good, "Hey, they we, right we think you're one of the best guys. <laughs> well, that, you are that can help." <laughs> Help introduce us to to the key players in the industry, and so I it, I've really enjoyed that in post retirement, and it's something I didn't I really didn't plan on, and uh, so uh, but I, th- to get back to your original question, Larry, I, you know, again, I've, I've been very blessed. I've, I've pretty much been able to do everything I I, I wanted to do. I I always tell people like you know, I've, I've been, as you have, and, and you've done a lot more of it than I have, but having been able to hunt all over the world, and a lot of times with new firearms, yes. so, you know. Yes, yes. Brand and new bullets, brand and, and, new and, and, optics, brand, and, yeah, and you know, was, really
2: almost at that field testing stage or right at it kind of thing.
3: And with, you know, Friends in the industry. Yes, and, and it's something I would have never, ever been able to do on my own. And to have been able to, which was always a dream of mine as a youngster, I always wanted to hunt Alaska. It wasn't Africa. I right. always wanted to hunt Alaska. Well, I've made, good God, probably 10, 10 trips over the years, 10, 12 trips over the years to Alaska and and hunted you know, moose and grizzly, and yeah, still, I, I'm still, I'm still uh, jealous of your grizzly. And I and I just, I just think of when I was a youngster, and I thought that was just a pipe dream, man. Yes, I, I, I was like, you know, I'll never be able to, you know, go to Alaska <laughs> and hunt. You know, this 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 Midwestern boy is going to end up hunting hunting rabbits and and uh, whitetails and uh, squirrels and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> no, no, I, no, I still really, enjoy absolutely. I enjoy that way. as much <laughs> as I ever did but absolutely to and, and you know sometimes I, well I never again I I have always I've never lost sight of the fact that I've been incredibly fortunate yes, sir. to be able to do this but my friends and family relatives always remind me, you know, you know how lucky you are? Yes. You know, and, and, and I said, believe me, I do. And yes, sir. And I can't tell you how many friends and family members have said, hey, can I be your gun bearer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's be <laughs> your Next little. trip. Yes. Yeah, but like I said, I, I, I've never lost sight of that. I, 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 I've been truly blessed. I, I've been very lucky.
2: You know, along those lines, over the years I've had friends go. You know, same thing. I want to be your gun. burn Well, come on and go with me. You know, and and so they will go with me. And I said, but here's the deal. I'll, I'll help you get on this trip, but you got to do the same thing that I do. You know, and then there's the, the, the photography and the doing things over and over again. And at night, yeah. sitting up most of the night writing because you got a deadline. You got to do. And after about two days of it, they come to you and go. uh you're very fortunate but I don't want to be that fortunate you know, kind of yeah fact, so. it's it's not all roses no, you it, know. it is it's, a fabulous it's, life and my god I wouldn't do anything but but
3: <laughs> you know you, you got the pressure in the back of your mind you know you got the pressure of of having to write articles or doing a tv show uh, or it and and you got to make sure you know you, you put together you know have a successful hunt and put something together it's and I, I had a friend tell me years ago, and you know this firsthand, that uh, when you're hunting with a cameraman and doing a show, you're not hunting. No. You're, filming a, you're, you're filming a TV show. You're filming a TV show. are hunting, and, and
2: they're hunting for the camera, and they're, and they're different.
3: And it, I mean, personally, it, it, it takes away from the enjoyment, I think, of, of just being out on your own. Right. And hunting. When you got a camera guy there, and I mean, it's just... Part of the deal, you know, but it, I never really got comfortable with that. And I didn't, I, of course, I haven't done nearly as much as you have, but it, it again, it was part of the job, part of the business, but it, uh, and there were things about it, you know, now it's neat to go back and look oh, yes, at that it, stuff it is because it's something you've captured on film, but. Um, Absolutely,
2: and the way I look at it, it afforded me opportunities that I would have never. You know, I've I've been fortunate to hunt several continents, all of them except for Antarctica, and I have no desire to go to Antarctica, kind of thing.
3: <laughs> and I know you'll remember this, but as a kid, I remember watching, um, Kurt Gowdy, American sportsman, American sportsman, and it, it was the only. You know, of course, there wasn't any cable television right. back then. And I think it was on ABC. Was it was
2: it? A, it was ABC, and absolutely. it was ABC, Kirk Gowdy
3: and Phil S- uh, Silver. I remember I remember those guys sitting on a duck blind. Oh you know? you, My favorite
2: shows of those was Phil Harris.
3: Phil Harris, yeah, and, Phil, that's and, right. And, Phil Harris and
2: Gowdy and Bing Crosby.
3: That's right. And those yeah.
2: guys would go after each other. I don't, I don't even remember if the I think it was in a duck blind. They were it was duck blind. Yeah, and. I don't even know if they ever shot a duck the entire time yep. that they were there, but they were they were so entertaining. I rem- I remember that because I remember Ben Crosby.
3: You know, he'd start singing, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, and, and do, it. do it. And you know, again, as a youngster, I'm watching <laughs> this on my black and white television. Set. Oh, oh yes, I'm going. God, isn't that cool? <laughs> and here, you know, here we think about it, Larry. You know, it. it, uh, it now, I mean, good God, all the TV shows you've been on. And, you just think about it, and you think, "How did that happen? Did you
2: know, know how did it... you know, I'm sorry. i mean i I grew up loving to hunt you know, outdoors. I lived outdoors essentially, and uh, there was an outdoor TV show that came on Friday afternoons out of San Antonio It's called the Lone Star Sportsman with oh, jim okay. thomas oh, okay. and Jim Thomas would host this show, and a lot of it the the footage was vintage footage from the early nineteen hundreds cool, to right? about the 1950s, both That's hunting and cool. fishing. There's a, he actually had footage of Walt Disney hunting and fishing, really, yes, sir. Oh, and I mean, those gosh. kind of things, and, it, and I, that was the only time I was kind of allowed to watch television. <laughs> when, there, when I, when we, we were doing any kind of work, my mom and dad would let me go watch that particular show, you know, and then I'd have to get back to where we're done. But uh, and those things had such an influence in that, uh, oh, you know, you, I gosh, I want to do that, but you know, I kind of grew up in the country and. We were in the chicken business, hog business, cow business, and you know, never dreaming that any uh, of the, uh, uh, even a portion of what I've been so fortunate to be able to do, and the people that I've met, I mean, uh, to me, that has been, uh, like, it's the people that I've met in hunting camps, guys like you that I had the privilege, and, <laughs> I mean, that so to to work for, and uh, that, just oh my gosh, I mean, I, I look back at those things. We, we talked earlier about. uh Going back, I, I recently was asked at a, at a group to, you know, how would you get started, you know, and, and all this kind of thing. And I, I told them, I said, you know, there's a lot of reading, and, and i just been at the right place at the right time. And I said, well, what would you write on? I said, well, actually, I said, you know, when I started, I had a big chief tablet. And they all kind of looked at you, and, you know, and, and most of these were in their 20s and 30s, maybe even their early 40s, and they go, tablet? You know, I didn't know they had tablets back that back far back. Well, let me tell you, the Big Chief tablet was there was a, a, a drawing of a big Indian on a red cover, and that was a big, big, red Big Chief tablet, and you wrote everything in hand, and then you would go to the typewriter, you know, yeah. and yeah. clunk that thing out, and then, thank God for white out or eraser tapes, <laughs> Boy, and, now. you know, and yeah. and then you guys would get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, back then, and you didn't just put lay it here. It is okay. We'll photograph it. It's ready to go. You know.
3: No. Yeah. You know. Again, from a from a production standpoint, when I first started with shooting times, we literally had we called them flats, but large boards. Right. Where, you know, once you had to typeset and did all your corrections and stuff our art director used you know, they used to basically the term was wax and paste. Yeah. They'd run galleys, type galleys, through a wax machine, a hot wax machine, and then literally by hand, lay out, do the layout and place the photos and stuff, and he would use an exacto knife like the cut-in correction. Yes. Whereas now, of course, everything is, oh you know, gosh. you do it on your computer and <laughs> yeah. spit it out. And and, and and I'll never forget when we would be done with a a, a magazine uh, at the end of the, of the month, and it would be, you know, like these were double flats, so it was two pages. Yes, sir. And they were, uh, you know, there'd probably be anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60 of these flats that We would shoot ship in this humongous box off to the printer to get blue lines back or signatures, mm-hmm. and now so we were shipping basically a, a you know forty pound box of of waxed and pasted galley's, and now it's all on a disk. Yes, sir. I mean, think about that. How how technology has changed and now you can you can put a whole magazine on a disc uh, you know, oh, yes, and it's just it's, uh, it's stunning but um, to get back to your point Larry of friends in the uh, or uh, yes, sir. Uh, all the relationships and stuff, I always tell people and I genuinely mean it that some of my this industry is so special uh, the outdoor industry that um, I always say it, I've always said some of my very best friends are in the business. Yes, sir. Not many people can say that. No, no. You know, whatever career you're doing, uh, you know, how many people, I mean, I genuinely, you included, Larry. Well, again, thank you. You, again, some of my very best, you think about that, some of my very best friends are in the business. Yes, sir. And, I agree. and I, that says a lot about, the industry, the people in the, the industry. People industry, yes, and, sir. Uh, so, uh, anyhow, I wanted to mention that, but uh, um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, and when we were talking earlier, and uh, good God, you, you and I could talk for a week
2: about all these hunts
3: we've been on. and, and We're going to come back and have, do a separate one so we
2: don't, yeah. no, we don't carry this too far but I want to do a second one with you and we'll talk about yeah. some of the hunts and then some of the individuals at, that absolutely we, we've met and, and dealt with in those hunts.
3: I've got some, I know you do too but I've got some crazy stories. Man. <laughs> you know, at the time were frightening. Uh, you know, literally a couple of life death experiences uh, but again that's just part of the overall package i guess but <laughs> i really yes yeah, sir one of the things i really enjoy larry and I, I appreciate you letting me get on this podcast i am truly honored believe it. me I, I love to reminisce so maybe it's just part of getting older, <laughs> you know but, but well they're good stories i really enjoy the they're good the old stories that stories. need to be retold <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah but uh yeah, if it works
2: out where we can do an, another uh, segment, I, I know you and I have
3: plenty of things we can
2: talk about. <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, want to recall a couple of hunts with you that were absolutely out of, <laughs> out of they, they truly were out of this world, and I mean, but it, it, we were fortunate that we took the animals that we did, but it was the people that were there in camp, you know, that really made the hunt. As far as I'm concerned,
3: you know, and that, and that's that's very true because anybody who appreciates hunting. You know, when I and they, I was like, "Man, what did you know? You got all these mounts, you know, and stuff." And I said, "I'll tell you what. It's not the mount of, of a deer, or whatever. It's, it's the story behind the mount." The, and, and to your point, I look at a mount and I think about it's not so much what happened when I took the animal, no, but no. it's it's who I was with exactly where I where I was yes sir. hunting. And if there was some, you know, uh, uh, unusual experience to the hunt, but I can remember so many different hunts, and 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 it's uh, when you and I went hunting on the Nail Ranch and with Johnny Hudman, and, and which was actually I remember that. shot
2: together. I remember it really was I remember this blasted eight point that you throw and I wanted to shoot so badly and,
3: and I'll tell you
2: what Larry I got that
3: I got that deer hanging in my family room and yeah, every time a, I look a, at it I think uh, of you no, <laughs> so I, you're
2: I, I, I appreciate that but, but yeah that was an absolutely fantastic hunt well speaking of hunts we're not far away from time we need yeah. to get back out in the woods right yeah, now so really. let's close this thing down right now and we'll come back sure. and uh, we'll find some time here while we get their hands a little uh dirtier than what they are right now and uh we'll come back and we'll reminisce about some of those stories very good that's we've been on i'd love to do it thank you jim so very much for for joining on this And, and ladies and gentlemen we'll be back before too very long with jim buquette and uh tell a few hunting stories Jim, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Larry. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfire. DSC Campfires with
1: Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. TRHP Outdoors. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord, rescue travel protection.
0: I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.
1: Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.